Uh, yes, good morning, good morning, good morning. I feel like this is the part where there's like a trick question, like who likes to pray? And everyone's kind of like, um, I think I like to pray, I'm not really sure. There is no trick question. We would love to have you guys join us for prayer on Saturday. It's amazing. If you have not been, my first time was two years ago, and all of Castle Rock, truly, all of the pastors collaborate together, and it is just power in the spirit. So I strongly encourage you to head out for that. But if you don't know me, my name is Janelle. I am the worship pastor here, and um, I was joking yesterday some of you either think that I left or that I died because I was gone for seven weeks. I'm here, um, I got married, I got coronavirus, and I'm back, I'm healthy, I'm great. Thank you for your prayers. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so good to see familiar faces. And it's funny, I was thinking about this. I now know why preachers say like, you guys look good. You know why? Because you look good. Having people in a room looks so good. We are so blessed that we can be in this room together. Um, if you haven't been with us the past few months, uh, we're in a series on Ephesians, and this is our final message on Ephesians. We are at the end of chapter six at this point, and it's talking about the armor of God, okay? And I am so sorry to disappoint you. I will not be putting on Roman armor today. I know that you're sad. You can visualize it if you want. Um, just really didn't feel, feel like doing that. So I did say, though, you can ask Pastor DJ if you want him to preach his message next week in armor. Email me, and we'll do a tally, okay? Gpillar at shinechurch.life. I would love to see some emails. 500. Oh, Okay, well, I may like falsify some facts for that, but just kidding. Um, okay, so Ephesians 6, we're going to start reading at verse 10 this morning. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Watch for the word stand as we continue to read through this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So I don't know about you, if you've grown up in the church, you've, you're probably familiar with the armor of God. You've probably heard the functionality, what does it do, what does it look like, how does it work, right? Um, and I just, as I pressed into the Lord when I knew I was gonna be teaching on this, I kept asking just, what do you want me to share, right? And in the middle of that, I feel like this is just gonna be a reminder for all of us on the good news of the gospel. That's all this is. 
The entirety of this passage points to Jesus. He is the gospel. He is the good news. He is our armor. And so we're going to dive into that this morning. Ephesians 6 is twofold because it was Paul's last attempt. Not only is he trying to equip this specific church at Ephesus to give them tools, to let them know how to use it, but this was his one last time to say, remember who you are. This is your identity in Christ. This is who you are. This is how you stand. Why would the enemy try to attack? It's because as the church, as believers, we are in Christ and we have to remember our identity. Why do we need to protect ourselves? Why are powers of darkness working against us? Here is a ton of scripture on just, this is not even the tip of the iceberg, but just to remind you this morning who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139. You are God's temple, 1 Corinthians 3. You are a chosen people, 1 Peter 2. You are a friend of God, John 15. You have a hope and a future, Jeremiah 29:11. You are an overcomer, 1 John 4. You are a conqueror, Romans 8. You are free, you are righteous, you are redeemed, you are loved, and you have a purpose. And the Lord was giving us tools. He was equipping us, not only with a reminder of who we are, but okay, now, what do we do? How do we stand? We see so many times, stand. How do we stand when we're being attacked? And so we're gonna dive into that this morning. And as we go through all of this, remember, it's necessary and it's applicable to you because you matter. You're called and you have a purpose to advance the kingdom of Jesus with the good news, to stand for the gospel. So we typically hear in this passage, because as we read through Ephesians, we learn that Paul at the time was on house arrest. And so usually, when I, at least when I've heard it talked about, I can't speak for all of you, but it would be looked at in the way of Paul was now looking up at this guard that was at his door, and he was looking at the armor and drawing parallels to spiritual principles. And as I mentioned, I got married. My awesome husband is super wise. And when I was talking about this um, a few weeks ago, just kind of talking about the subject and teaching on it, he said that he had a mentor that told him something really profound. That when Paul was mentioning this to the church in the Ephesians, that he was actually referencing it as if they've heard about it before. And I've, I've never noticed this when I've read through this passage. So I started doing research and the reason why the Ephesians know about the armor is because they had a record of it in the Old Testament. So we can look at Isaiah 59 and see where they had seen it prior. And for me, I love this because it's powerful to think of Paul, who's inspired by God, to draw parallels, right? But for me to know that there's a connection to God, the Father, the one who made a way for me, and that that's where this is coming from is so powerful. So I'm gonna read to you Isaiah 59. We're gonna do verses one through four and seven through nine. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. 
For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, your tongue mutters wicked things. This is a long list of bad, y'all. It's bad. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble, give birth to evil. Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. So justice is far from us and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness for brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Does any of this sound familiar to what we see in the world around us right now? This is not new. From the beginning of time, we were born into sin, to a broken world, to a broken system, into corruption and evil. And this is the good news of the gospel. Let's listen to how this starts. He's going to go into a place of something that when I read, I'm like, ooh, that's pretty discouraging. But look at how this starts. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Are you in a place right now that you feel that the Lord cannot reach into where you are to save you from a pit of despair? Do you feel like you're too far gone? Do you feel, it says next, his ear is not too dull to hear you. Do you feel like you have worn out your voice? You're tired, you've been crying out to the Lord You've been before him on your knees. It's saying, his ear is not too dull to hear you. Even in the midst of all of this that is swirling around and going on, his arm alone is not too short to save. And we see the evidence of this as we continue on. I love the enduring word commentary says it this way. God waited and waited for a disobedient Israel. So this passage is talking about Israel, and obviously, because it is Old Testament, this is pre Jesus coming and dying on the cross. So we're in the old covenant at this point. So this kind of just gives us a clue into how this works. He waited and waited for a disobedient Israel to turn to him. He waited and waited for a man to lead them back to him or for an intercessor to plead before him. None arose, so the Lord did it himself. No man stepped forward to work with the Lord, so the Lord puts on his armor and he goes forth to destroy his enemies, protect his people, and glorify his name. We continue in Isaiah 59, verse 15 through 17. It says, The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. And his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. This is not the armor that God simply gives. This was the armor that he wore. He fit in armor for you and for me. And praise God, we are not the guinea pigs. Amen? There is nothing we can withstand without the power of the Spirit with his strong arm that is not too short to save us. In verse 11, it talks about the enemy's schemes. And so today, that's what we're going to be diving into is for every single piece of clothing that God wants to clothe you with, that he gives you, the enemy wants to give you counterfeit clothing. So the tricky part about this is that clothing from the enemy feels like it's something that would protect us, that it would keep us safe. And maybe 
It protects our religion, or it makes us look better in our minds, obviously. But at times, we don't realize that we're wearing it. And this morning, God wants to set you free. He wants to remove the schemes of the enemy that you're literally wearing today. And so I encourage you, listen as we go through this. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to help you identify those things that need to be removed. And ask him what he wants to replace it with. Because we have very tangible items here that he will want to clothe you with before you leave today. The counterfeit clothing from the enemy only protects our flesh. There is no actual safety or protection or victory that can come from wearing those clothes. And as I talk about this, we were going through and teaching team where I was going, what my notes were, and Pastor Dan said something profound. He said, each counterfeit has a pendulum swing. The enemy will attack on two extremes or any part of the spectrum. And for me, this really opened my eyes, and I hope it does the same for you this morning. Because I was thinking of only one extreme. So for example, we talk about the belt of truth, and I'm thinking, okay, the enemy wants to clothe us with lies. That's an easy thing to identify. But there's a whole pendulum on which the enemy, he will do absolutely anything that he can to keep you in bondage, to keep you from being free, to keep you from walking in victory. So as I give examples this morning, I challenged them last night and I challenge you with the same thing. If you think of any counterfeit that I don't mention this morning, would you just come up to me after service and just tell me? I would love to hear what the Lord is revealing to you. We're going to start with the belt of truth. Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So God clothes you with truth. What are the counterfeits that the enemy would want to clothe you with? Well, as I mentioned, lies. To believe lies about yourself, to spread lies about other people. That you would operate in a way that is all grace and love and no truth. So everything goes. We don't know how to bring truth with love. Or we live on the side of harsh rules and legalism and we don't know how to present any love when we present truth. Warren Wearsby was a pastor. He said it this way, truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. The enemy would want to clothe you with brutality, with hypocrisy, brutality towards yourself and towards the people around you. I don't know about you. Oh, Jesus, help me not to wear brutality. That is the last thing that our world needs right now. Hypocrisy, the last thing that our world needs right now. But our world needs, desperately needs truth. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need the belt of truth. And order in the Bible is incredibly important. So we know if the belt is listed first, there's a reason for that. Everything that we are, everything that we believe, flows and stems from truth, from Jesus himself. That was how our faith is meant to work. And the same with the belt and the armor. If the soldiers were not wearing the belt, none of the armor would hold together. 
everything else fell apart. So we need truth to secure everything else. Breastplate of righteousness, Ephesians 6.14. Stand firm then with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with all of these, like I said, we see that word stand, but each and every phrase has an instruction that comes with it. Why? Because he fit the armor for us, but it requires our action, our active decision to take up the armor, to stand. And so... For the breastplate of righteousness, the instruction that we have, it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, it says to be clothed with and to sink into. There's something so profound in that because righteousness is something often that we think we have to strive for, that we have to earn, we have to attain. I mean this in the kindest way. You cannot attain righteousness. Only Jesus did that. He is our righteousness. And so Paul is talking, there's an ease. I sink into righteousness. I sink into what Jesus has established for me. So if God clothes us with righteousness, the enemy would want to clothe you with self-righteousness or thinking, I'm good in and of myself. I'm good. Or with self-hatred. I'm no good. <laughs> I can't do anything. Right? 1 John 2.29 says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And I love that because it points to exactly what I was just saying. If we see righteousness anywhere in the world, and even if people who don't know the Lord they see righteousness, they see morality, they see compassion, they see love, they see truth, they see all these things. It points to Jesus because nobody's gonna look and say, wow, Janelle is righteous. I cannot do that. I can't produce that. This Bible, this verse is telling us he is righteousness. Any righteousness, any fruit of righteousness in your life points directly to Jesus. So if God wants us to wear righteousness, the enemy wants us to wear striving and uncertainty. This morning, Jesus wants you to be confident and certain in what he's done for you. The shoes of peace, Ephesians 6.15. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. God clothes you with good news and with peace. The counterfeit, I blame Pastor DJ for this, two big words, uh, debauchery or Phariseeism, right? So I'm out living, doing whatever I want, no consequence to myself or others, or I'm living by the letter of the law, completely just buried by the weight of judgment of myself and others. Um, another thing I thought of with the gospel of peace, we can have clothes of anxiety that cling to us, or we can be clothed with complacency. And when I say that, what I mean is we can be so numbed by the things of the world that we don't even recognize that we're not actually abiding in peace. We're simply complacent. 
Pastor DJ said this, if you put on all of the armor with the extra weight, but you don't have the shoes, you won't make it very far. Imagine the terrain that they were going through and the things that even modern day, right? Soldiers, war, everything that happens. Without shoes, your feet would be shredded. You would be taken out in an instant. Without carrying the good news, what do we have? Without the good news of the gospel, every single step of life would be painful. And there are so many people in our world right now today who their life is painful every second of every day because they don't have the hope of knowing Jesus. They don't have the shoes of peace. The action word here, your feet fitted. It means to bind under. This week we were um, binding some math books for the, the kids as they're back at school. And that binding, let me tell you, those books are expensive, right? So that binding is tight. It's not going to slip. It's to protect. It's so that nothing will happen or damage that. And it's the same concept here. To bind under. Bind yourself with the good news of the gospel and with the peace that comes from Christ alone. We can abide under peace. I feel like right now, that is for someone in this room this morning. You feel like you are a wave tossed by the wind and the Lord is saying, abide in me. Bind yourself to me. Me who is peace. Me who is life. He is the only one. The only one who can bring peace to your heart and your mind. And we, again, we have the active decision to bind ourselves to him. Ephesians 2.14 says, he himself is our peace. He himself, him alone. And we can abide in peace because we know that God poured out his wrath for the last time on Jesus. Thank you, God. The shield of faith, Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. So God clothes you with faith. And the enemy would want to clothe you with doubt and unbelief. Or, again, we look at that pendulum, pride and boasting. The interesting thing about the shield is that, in reality, other than the helmet at this point, the shield is the most visible thing. Why? Our faith was made to be visible. That's how God designed it. When we hold up, it says take up. When we take up faith and we put that as the thing, the banner in front of us, our faith in Jesus and who he is, his promises, it says that it extinguishes the fiery arrows. When you do research on the shield, it says that they were actually dampened in order so that when the fire came, nothing would be able to happen. The beautiful thing about being in a body of believers is that this action point, take up, it's actually saying, raise your shield of faith. And every time that someone in this room decides to raise their faith in who God is, in what he alone can do, in his promises, I see you do it, my faith raises. I see you do it, my faith raises. You see me do it, your faith raises, right? 
it's just reminding us again and again, higher and higher and higher, glory to glory to glory, strength to strength to strength, our faith will raise because we know that our God is victorious. He will not let anything come through and pierce our hearts, our minds, our spirits, if we will make our faith visible. The helmet of salvation. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. God clothes us with salvation and gives us a new mind. The enemy would want you to believe this morning, just like we read at the beginning of that section in Isaiah 59, that God can't reach you. He can't save you. You're too far gone. The salvation that he extends to us as an opportunity to receive is a lifeline. It is an absolute lifeline. And so the enemy would want you to believe that he cannot make you whole, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. That is a lie from the enemy. And if you are struggling this morning with thinking that maybe just, oh, my thought life will always be this way, my life will always be this way, those are not clothes from God. Remove them this morning. He does not want you to live stuck there. We can feel like we are bound to our old life or pendulum. We can feel like I can do whatever I want because of what Jesus did on the cross. If you find yourself in either of those extremes, he wants to give you the purity of the helmet of salvation. Salvation is from Jesus alone, what he did on the cross for you and for me, that we today are in the new covenant. What good news. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, but we have the mind of Christ. The helmet of salvation, we have the mind of Christ. We no longer have to operate in our old sinful ways. Thank you, Jesus. The instruction, the word here, I love this. In the Greek, that word take simply means receive. Receive the helmet of salvation. Why? We cannot earn our salvation. We receive it. The sword of the Spirit, also in verse 17, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. God clothes us with his Spirit and gifts us with his word so that we can fight the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It is so imperative that we learn his character and his nature through reading the word, that we recognize his voice because we're so familiar with who he is in the written word. And then in the spoken word, he wants to speak to you desperately. It says that the word is living and active. So he gives us, how thoughtful was that? Because he knew that we would be pretty hard-headed, right? It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm not only gonna give you a written manual, but I also love you so much that I want to speak directly to you. The counterfeit that the enemy would wanna clothe you with in this is that you can't understand the word of God when you read it, or that God only speaks a certain way and you couldn't possibly hear his voice because he just doesn't speak to you that way. 
Pastor Peter and I were talking about this and he said, not only is the counterfeit us thinking that we don't understand, but the counterfeit sword that the enemy would give us, because this is the first piece of armor where we're going from um, defense to offense, right? Where we can fight back. It's not just a protective mechanism. And so he was saying, the enemy can give you a sword where you injure yourself and others. And I think we're all seeing that right now, so tangibly and visibly in the world around us where that sword that the enemy would give is so that whether it's to yourself or to people around you, guilt, shame, condemnation, like we saw earlier, brutality, that we're wounding the people around us, that is not the armor of God. For we fight against powers and principalities, not against flesh and blood. And the, the action word here again, that take, is simply we receive. We receive the word of God. The written word as a gift and the spoken word as a gift. His gifts are endless to us. The enemy wants you to wear isolation, to believe that you're bound to silence, that God doesn't speak to you. And God wants you to know that his written and spoken word is for you today. Isaiah 59, 21 says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. I don't know about you, but that fires me up. Because this promise, my spirit who is on you will not depart from you. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. That is a promise to you, to your children, to your children's children. I can't help but think in so many conversations that maybe have just been swirling around me and that I've overheard, we are people of faith. We are to carry good news, peace, hope, light, life, joy. And it can be so easy to fall into this pattern where because of everything happening, we somehow lose that hope, we lose our ability to share the good news with the people around us. Our light, as darkness advances, our light is to become brighter. Brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. We carry a message of good news. He wants to remind you today, I understand this is maybe bringing us back to the basics, but it's because we need to be reminded of what he has done for us, what he alone can and will do. Why is there no armor on the back? Why? Because we were never called to retreat. We were called to advance. We fight from a place of victory. And as I studied this, I thought it was very interesting. The Bible says flee from sin. It never says flee from your enemy. He is before, behind, around us on every side. We do not have to be overwhelmed by anything that swirls around us 
today, tomorrow, forevermore, because we fight from victory. We fight equipped. Our God cared so much that you would be victorious that not only did he send his son, but he gives us these tools that every single day we can choose to place on ourselves. And let me tell you right now, if you are not choosing to clothe yourself with the armor of God, you are being clothed with something. All of this is only possible as we live out verse 10. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his strength. We cannot do this in our own strength. We will not win in our own strength. But as we are strong in him, we will win. We will advance courageously against our enemy for a world who so desperately needs to know Jesus. Pastor Rob said this simple statement, Look at the armor. The armor is Jesus. He is truth. He is righteousness. He is peace. He is our shield. He is our salvation. He is the word. We put on Jesus. He is in us. He is on us. I pray that that's good news for you this morning. And I pray that we as a church would be truly lit on fire to share this good news. There's a wearing, as we see with the armor, a wearing of good news, and there's a carrying of good news. We're going to carry this to a world in need, our neighborhoods, our coworkers, our family members. Again, I, I feel like this is for someone in this room. If you have a family member, a spouse, a child, any family member, brother, sister, who does not know the Lord. I'm brought back to that first verse in Isaiah. His arm is not too short to save. Keep crying out. Keep faithfully raising that shield. Reveal your faith, reveal your faith, reveal your faith. His arm is not too short to save. We rest in his promises. And this whole passage wraps up with Paul talking about, and some people think of this as the seventh piece of armor, prayer. He talks about praying continually, being committed to prayer. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning. And there are a couple different scriptures that I felt like we were supposed to lean into, and so maybe you find yourself in one of these places, but I encourage you in this moment to open your ears for the Lord to show you what counterfeit clothing. Maybe, maybe you don't even have it on right now. Maybe you're walking in what he has with and for you right now, but maybe it's something that you pick up really easily or something that looks really nice and you haven't identified isn't from him. Let's open ourselves to hear from him this morning. Romans 13, 12 says, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. One of the areas that I felt like we're supposed to pray into, if you feel that you are buried in darkness, whether that is by your personal choice or just circumstantially, you're buried in darkness, we're gonna put on the armor of light this morning. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Again, back to what we talked about at the beginning. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling tired, you don't have the strength or the energy to go on. It says, 
by his spirit, his spirit alone, again, verse 12, or verse 10, by his strength, that is the only way that we will be victorious. And so I'm just gonna invite you to close your eyes this morning. Father, we just begin this time of prayer by saying thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for the power of your word, the promises that we can cling to. Because of who you are and what you've done, I thank you that you desire to speak to every person in this room or listening online. At any point in time, Lord, you desire to connect with your children. And so right now, God, we ask that distractions would fall away, that all thoughts of what the day will bring will just go to the wayside. Lord, we, we desire to hear your voice. If there is any counterfeit clothing for any single one of us that we are wearing, that the enemy has handed us, if it is doubt, if it is unbelief, that is not what God has for you this morning. And I encourage you to lay that down at the feet of Jesus and take up the armor of God. Lord, we make an active decision, like these say, to take up, to raise, to stand. And for many of us, it may be more difficult to receive or to sink into. God, help us, teach us, show us. How do we receive salvation? How do we sink into righteousness? We wanna be faithful to do that over and over again. Would we become receivers? In this room, would you become good at receiving from God and God alone that nothing else would satisfy you? I pray right now, Lord, for anyone who feels like they are covered, like they are buried in darkness, that your spirit, that your light would come and would obliterate and shatter and pierce through and set free. In the name of Jesus, we declare light in this room. We declare light in living rooms and in bedrooms and in cars that freedom would reign that you would have your way. And God, all of these things we pray, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. By your spirit, God, we thank you that you are empowering, you are equipping. As we keep hearing over and over and over again that we're entering a new season, would we be comfortable to lean into the one who knows what's coming? Would he be the one to show us the path by his light he illuminates? Would he be the one to make a way in the desert? Would he be the one to protect you from pain? Would he be the one to help you fight in advance against the enemy? Jesus, have your way, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. Have your way. And as we leave this place, would we stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around our waist? the breastplate of righteousness in place, with our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, would we take up the shield of faith with which he will extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the enemy? Would we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God? And when we press into him in prayer so that the mystery of the gospel would be revealed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys. We're so honored that you would spend a Sunday morning with us. We love that we are family and that we get to grow together and we're on this journey together. 
And so we are just praying for each of you that you would be reminded, maybe minute by minute even, as you go from this place, to put on your armor. Remember the battle that you're fighting and the realm that that's in. We love you guys. Don't forget, next Saturday at Festival Park, the day of prayer, and also bring your food, bring your blankets, bring your kids, your friends, your family, and we're gonna do the tailgate next weekend after the Sunday, or Saturday and Sunday services. So we hope to see you there. Have an amazing week.